SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is our science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. Hello. I'm glad you're (laughs) here for our radio DJ time. (laughs) 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 Fart noise. Okay. And also joining us, as always, is our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello, Sam. Hello. If you had a radio DJ control board, Sam, what would the most used sound be on it for you? Toilet flushing, no hesitation. <laughs> no. <laughs> sure. Just because you think other people's thoughts are toilet worthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That, yeah. When you hang up on them, you could be like toilet flushing. Yeah. Or like wah wah, like the foghorn stink sound. Uh huh. I definitely. I feel like you would toilet flush me like three times an episode. <laughs> oh, you're you're a big name guest. I wouldn't toilet flush you. No, I'm not saying you would kick me off the podcast or the radio oh, show. You'd toilet flush an yes. idea that I had. You'd be like, that was a real that. stinker. Yeah, you're probably right. I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> There's times that when I'm listening to you while I'm editing the podcast, I think, oh, big toilet flush for that idea you just had. And you just cut it right out, don't you? <laughs> yeah. 
It's not in there anymore. No one gets to know about those. <laughs> Sari, what, what's your favorite thing to chew on? Oh, we get two different questions. Okay. Well, I figured Sari wasn't going to have a lot of radio DJ experience. <laughs> She might have a good one. Let her try. No, no, don't skip me. I was trying to think of one and I was like, I can't even think of sounds anymore. (laughs) What is a a radio? No, I know what I'm... I like chewing on, I think like a good taco. I like chewing on it and then swallowing because it's not that many chews. Like a crunchy taco. Like a soft taco. I don't like a crunchy taco. I almost never think of any normal food as something that is good to chew on. It's always like Mm. like straws or like Mm. gum and stuff. I'm not really a big gum fan. I I didn't have a good answer. Neither am I until I heard tacos. But I... I agree, but disagree because the best chew experience is the is a fresh, crunchy taco. Like the crunch than the soft. Oh, that's an amazing chew. Texture is such a huge part of, of food. That's why I it don't is. really like beans. They're too pasty. Doesn't belong in my mouth. <laughs> but other other foods. You think all foods should be crunchy? Is that your thing? No, not it's mushy. just something about the bean texture that's not good. Oh, that's yeah. one of my favorite textures. Actually. I also love beans a lot. So again, <laughs> we agree and disagree. And isn't that just the way of the world? Every week here on Tangents, we get together to try to one up a maze and delight each other with science facts while trying to stay on topic. But the, t- the podcast is called Tangents, so we aren't always great at that. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which I'll be awarding as we play. And at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. And as always... We're going to introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem. This week is going to be from me. You want to hear my science poem? No, toilet flush. (laughs) (laughs) So often in life, as you go on living, you have to replenish your energy. A tiny snack or a whole Thanksgiving, you need to fight against entropy. But food can be hard or stringy or tough. It isn't just mush and your tongue's not enough. Mice or people or fish or crocs, all of us need our mouth rocks. Mouth rocks help us form our words. Without them, we look a little absurd. But mostly, they're useful for when we eat pizza or wheat or carrots or meat. Mice or people, fish or crocs, all of us need our mouth rocks. I love that. That was great. It was like a little jingle. <laughs> All of us need our mouth rocks. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by the American Mouth Rock Association. <laughs> Take care of those boys. Gosh. And so the topic for the day is teeth, which uh, has a fairly specific definition, but then it gets wibbly because we call some things teeth that aren't teeth, but also some things that we don't think our teeth are teeth. Ah. And so that's just, it's, it's complicated. Ain't that just the way it always goes? Yeah, but I love that we have a special kind of bone that sticks out of our flesh. Is that fair to say, Sari? I don't know. What is a tooth? So I think anyone who studies bone specifically would be like, a tooth is not quite a bone. But Mm -hmm. for our purposes, if we can call them mouth rocks, we can call them mouth bones as well. (laughs) Because they are made of similar, and I guess also this is where it gets a little wibbly. They're made of similar things. So bones are mostly made of calcium phosphate. Mm -hmm. And those are the same two atoms like calcium and phosphate that make up hydroxyapatite crystals, which are the key Mm. structural components of tooth, both in the dentine part, which is like above the nerves, below the surface, and the really hard enamel part, which is the top layer Mm -hmm. that makes teeth so strong. So the same-ish composition, but different enough from bones that scientists are like, teeth are not quite bones, right? but bony-ish. Yeah. 
Well, and it's clear, like I've touched a bone and I've touched a tooth and there is a difference. They're, they're definitely chemically different from each other, even if they're composed of the same atoms. Uh, and unlike bones, I'm pretty sure teeth don't repair themselves because if I break a bone, it'll just it'll just heal. But if I chip a tooth, I have a chipped tooth forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're non-living tissue on the top bit. So there are like three chunks of the tissue is the crown, the neck, and the root. The crown is like what sticks up above the gum. The neck is like what embeds itself into your gum. And then Mm -hmm. the root is what's embedded in your jaw. Inside your tooth, there are blood vessels and things like that. So like that is the living tissue, but Mm -hmm. like the surface layer, if your enamel wears down, there's no way to redeposit it or like fix a crack in it, which is why dentistry fillings are a thing because we Uh have to go in there artificially and be like, well, you're out of enamel, so let's squeeze something else in there because your body's not going to make anything else to fix oh, it. Inconvenient. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm glad that we have dentistry, though, because for all of the years when we didn't, that sounds very bad. Yeah, and and it's like I tried to sort through this this wealth of fighting on the Internet because people are like, well, um, earlier humans or earlier hominids had straighter teeth than us and like didn't need to brush their teeth. And from my understanding, yes, our modern diets do contain a lot more processed sugars. So like our teeth do get cavities maybe more often. Right. But humans were not regularly doing dental hygiene activities. Like some populations were, would like rinse out their mouths, but it wasn't super, super common. And they still had mouth problems. Like they had rotten teeth. The The idea of cavities yeah. has gone back thousands of years because mm-hmm. people thought they were like mouth worms that were burrowing into your teeth. Ooh. So people got infections all the time. Yes. Uh, because of not great oral hygiene. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say that uh tooth problems were a thing that people died from a lot in the past and less so now, which is great. Sari, where does the word tooth come from? Sounds like a good one. It is kind of a good one, but also kind of a boring one okay. because we just had teeth. And so we were like that's a tooth. Uh, tooth. Uh, <laughs> and so it came from the word or the, the Proto-Indo-European root dent, which makes sense oh, because that's sure. where we get dental and dentist, mm-hmm. denture, indent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at some point, I don't know, when when it went from Proto-Indo-European to like Norse and Dutch, then we put in a T instead of a D and started calling it something closer to tooth. But the most sure. interesting thing I learned from this is that dandelion also comes from dent for hmm. tooth. Oh. It it comes from tooth and lion. So because of the little, like the way the petals are shaped, people are like, this is a lion's tooth flower. Um, and now we just think it's a <laughs> shitty weed. So <laughs> sorry, dandelions. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed in that origin of the word. That's a, that's a leap. I feel like there's a missing gap. From there dent to tooth. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It does have... It ended with an ent, and now it's with an oath. That seems like a yeah. big jump. But look, that's how it works. Somebody was shouting from one side of a river to the other. They were like, these, <laughs> we call these dents. And the other guy was like, you call them teeth? What? Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think it's, I think it's the people who are looking there like, that doesn't sound like, when I say dent, it doesn't sound like that. When I say tooth. Is, these look more like, like a tooth, tooth to me. Yeah. They've got the two part and the ooth part. The two part is the hard part, and then the ooth is the part that goes into your body. Exactly. I think it's the opposite. I think the (laughs) ooth part is the nice round top, and the the two part is the the sharp roots. Okay. All right. There are two of them. 
<laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh god oh god let's move on it means that that means that it's time for the quiz portion of our show this week we are playing get ready for it tooth or fail oh boo oh, no. <laughs> so teeth are primarily associated with vertebrates uh vertebrate because they're they're uh, like bone like but there are invertebrates who have structures that are toothy enough that we call them teeth even though they might not really be teeth. And of course, those teeth are particularly fascinating when we get to the world of marine invertebrates. Because of course they are, because marine invertebrates are so weird. The following are three descriptions of marine invertebrate teeth, but only one of them is true. Which one is it? We're going to start out with fact number one. Chitin, a large mollusk, changed their teeth with the seasons, altering the chemical composition of their teeth to withstand the fluctuations in temperature and salinity around them. Or fact number two, the pink sea urchin's teeth are self-sharpening. They maintain their own razor-like edge thanks to the arrangement of plates that are structured to chip away as the sea urchin nibbles on coral reefs. Or fact number three, the acorn worm has a tooth inside a tooth, forming a concentric dental structure that gathers water in the empty space, and the worm can use that to sift food through. Icky. Don't do As a that. tooth in the tooth. So these are all teeth in quotes, or, or not? Well, we call them teeth, and I'd think that tooth might be a thing where there's not like a super technical definition. Okay, okay. But they're doing tooth jobs of being a hard thing that helps you eat. So maybe some people's teeth, some people, some sea urchin's teeth can grow <laughs> back, or if you were sharpening it, wouldn't you sharpen it to a little nub of nothing? I think that they grow. And this is also true okay, of some animals. Okay. Rodents' teeth grow. Oh, so sure, they, right. like a rabbit, yeah. Yeah. the beaver, for the instance. beaver. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know chitons have very strong teeth. What do, What do they do with their very strong teeth? They sit on rocks and they like grind. And they <laughs> They scrape stuff up. They They got to have teeth that are strong enough that when they scrape sure. their food off of their surfaces, they don't like chip their teeth. Like yeah. I couldn't scrape my teeth on rock for very long without <laughs> big consequences, but they do it all the time, okay. and so they're fine. But I know nothing about whether they change depending on the seasons. They're they're tidal animals, so that makes sense. Kind so of. Maybe I don't know. There's tougher stuff to scrape off of rocks in the winter or something, or yeah, or like the seawater composition is different. So oh, like yeah. you right. could your teeth could be more susceptible. Mm. The the second one sounds the weirdest to me. Like self sharpening teeth. So like mouth rocks. Mm-hmm. If you call them mouth rocks, <laughs> humans developed weapons with rocks by like chipping them off to make a sharp edge Mm -hmm. something that wouldn't just grow sharp teeth is what you're what you're saying everything else grows sharp teeth so why doesn't this thing grow sharp teeth yeah it it is an interesting adaptation though because like usually when teeth get dull animals die or Uh they grow new teeth like those are the two main evolutionary ways Mm -hmm. to get new teeth is like either get rid of them or you just die because you can't eat anymore so this would be a good adaptation if you needed it to, like, hone your teeth. Okay, what's an acorn worm? And what's a tooth inside another tooth? What does that even mean? My guess is that there's just a tooth wearing another tooth as, like, a little hat. But then there's a little, like, a little roller coaster in there where water can go through and go, ooh. <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to pick the chitin one because it's boring-ish, kind of, in a, <laughs> okay. in a okay. convincing way. I'm going to pick the second one. Sea urchin? Sea urchin. Pink yeah. sea urchin. Because 
I always want to divide and conquer, and I <laughs> truly have no idea. I think it would be really cool if it was true. I'd be most excited if this one was true. Mm, that's a good way to pick them. I like that, Sari. And it is. It's the true fact. Pig oh, sea urchins have self-sharpening teeth. They have cool. five teeth that are arranged in a circle. It's kind of creepy looking. And scientists suspected that the teeth are self-sharpening, so they used a combination of mechanical testing and electron microscopy to look at how the teeth are structured. And it turns out that the tooth has two sides. There's a stronger side made up of calcite fibers, and the other side is made up of inclined plates that chip away when the tooth scrapes against hard surfaces. And that structure makes it so that the teeth get chipped away on one side, maintaining the sharpness of the overall tooth. They also continuously grow, so even as it chips away, there is still more tooth left for future times when the sea urchin will continue to need to eat. Imagine if our mouths just had a ring of teeth. I can't even. Oh, <laughs> no. Because there, there's like a, they have a ring of teeth. It's a ring not of teeth. two layers. It's, yeah, it's just a big, it's just a tooth circle. Where are they even keeping their mouths? Oh. Little butthole mouth. Yeah, in the yeah, middle. Yeah, butthole mouth. I see. They actually, yeah, they, they actually have a separate butthole. Oh, really? That's on the top. Yeah. But I actually, I got in trouble because I thought that that was the case. <laughs> and I made a TikTok where I talked about how, how starfish poop out of their mouths. And the lovely people at the Monterey Bay Aquarium were like, ah, nope. And then he showed me a starfish pooping. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I was wrong. That should be a much more widely circulated thing. I feel like I've never seen a starfish poop. I've never seen a sea anemone poop. Mm -hmm. I just like spew out these facts about mouths and butts, but we mm -hmm. need more documentation of things pooping so that we know which hole it comes out of. Every animal's Wikipedia page should have a video of it eating and a video of it pooping, just so you know for sure. That'd be great. Where it comes from. That's the kind of information we need to know. What hole does it come from? This can <laughs> yeah. be your science coffee table book. Uh, I, uh, well, I've got a, and I've got a great name for it. Now, now that I have a great name, we're going to have to do it. It's called Poopy Peepeepedia. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to do the audiobook for that. Poopy <laughs> Peepeepedia, a journey through the digestive systems of all life. I'm your host, Hank Green. Well, that's our new Patreon-only podcast. It's called Poopy Peepeepedia. Mm -hmm. And you can okay, sign up at patreon.com slash scishowtangents, <laughs> where if we get just, uh, I think, 100 more Patreon patrons, we can finally do our commentary of Cars Mater to the future, or whatever it's called. Cars 2 and Time Travel Mater. Two okay. distinct films, uh, okay? <laughs> <laughs> a short film and a feature length film. Get it straight for once in your life. So, chitons, Sarah, you are right. They have, they do have to do a lot of work with their teeth, but they do not change their teeth over the, the seasons. They do, their teeth are made of a rare iron mineral called Santa Barbaraite that it was only found in rocks before it was found in their in their mouths and it's in a long hollow structure called the stylus which links the teeth to a tongue-like structure called the radula and this was just inspired by the fact that I would like to have teeth that change with the seasons so that I can uh, ha like enjoy a hot drink and then a cold drink and not have That's my teeth hurt idea. as for the acorn worm it does eat by filtering food from seawater but it doesn't have teeth but there is a thing in humans where uh, people have a tooth inside of a tooth where the enamel folds into the bony tissue underneath, forming a pocket underneath the surface oh. of the tooth. It affects around 0.3% of the population. All right, Sari is coming out of that with one point and Sam's got nothing. Next up, we're going to take a short break and then it'll be time for the fact off. 
SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, you think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. But Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as (laughs) the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the 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 part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, <laughs> yeah. Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that. To help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, because it's a, you know, I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for the Fact Off. Our panelists have brought science facts to present in an attempt to blow my mind. And after they've presented their facts, I will judge them and award Hank Bucks any way I see fit. And to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question. 
The giant armadillo is the largest living armadillo measuring up to a meter long, not including their 20 centimeter tail, and it weighs between 18 and 33 kilograms when fully grown. Giant armadillos also have the most permanent teeth of any terrestrial mammal. What is the most amount of teeth giant armadillos are known to have? Oh, how many teeth do we have? 32, oh, okay. including wisdom teeth. I'm going to guess 56. <laughs> okay. Just out of out of nothing. Apropos of nothing. 56. I'm going to guess 44. You are both pretty wrong, but Sari is closer. It's about 100 oh. teeth. How do they pack it in there? I don't know. Look at a giant armadillo mouth. Sari, would you like to go first or would you like Sam to go first? I'll go first. Different animals keep or replace their teeth for different reasons throughout their lifetimes. So-called monophyodonts are stuck with one set of teeth for their whole life, while diphyodonts, like humans, often have a primary set of teeth that gets replaced by the permanent teeth as they grow up. But some animals are polyphyodonts and replace their teeth as needed throughout their lives. But they all have slightly different strategies. So sharks, for example, have multiple rows of teeth like a rainbow. And when they lose one from the outermost row, which can happen as often as every week or so, the teeth from the inner rows shift over to fill the gap. While alligators, on the other hand, just have one row of teeth. And they do something called tooth cycling, where they're replaced one by one in a wave from back to front over months to years. Oh. But I'm not here to get too deep into shark or alligator mouths because Sorry. I think there's a much... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you. Are you, did you just tell me that, that alligators have a conveyor belt of teeth? Is that what you mean? Like they start in the back and they move to the front? They don't move to the okay. front. They, they like lose their teeth in a wave. So they like start losing them oh, towards the okay. back oh. and then they lose them one by one. Also, you shouldn't get too deep into alligator mouse. That's dangerous. Ha 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 ha. Well, okay. I'm not getting into it because it's dangerous and because I think there's a much weirder animal out there. With fun, weird polyphyodont teeth, piranhas, and the closely related pacus. They're famous mm. for having very sharp chompers and eat all kinds of meat or plant matter. So if you imagine your teeth as two halves, you have like the left side of your mouth and the right side of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And multiple times throughout piranhas' lives, they lose all the teeth on one side of their mouth at once. Wow. And that seems very <laughs> silly. Like losing yeah. half of your teeth at once would mean very lopsided eating uh -huh. uh, if they all just like popped out of there. And there aren't any museum specimens of piranhas missing half their teeth. So scientists were like very skeptical mm -hmm. about whether this was real or just a myth that got passed down through literature, etc. But in a 2019 study, a team looked more closely at piranha mouths, including using imaging techniques like CT scans, which are basically fancy x-rays, and found a couple things. One, that all of the teeth on each side of the mouth interlock, making it physically impossible for just one tooth to pop out if it's dull or otherwise bad. Hmm. And this interlocking of teeth also creates a much stronger chomping surface because it distributes the pressure across the whole half of the mouth rather than one single crackable tooth. Mm -hmm. And this lets piranhas tear through carcasses or crack on seeds or whatever they come across with less risk. Hmm. And number two, as the old dull teeth are reaching the end of their lifespan, the new sharp teeth layer is right underneath them. The article described it as the new teeth were wearing the old teeth like hats. <laughs> when the old teeth pop off, the new ones are already underneath Whoa. and sharp and ready to go. <laughs> They're never left with bare gums like humans losing teeth. Wow. So even though it takes quite a lot of energy to grow half a mouth of replacement teeth multiple times in their lives, uh -huh. uh, they've made an evolutionary trade-off for super chomping power. Great, always sharp teeth, at least on one side. 
You know, I've seen a lot of people being worried about piranhas because it's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of a scary name. They eat a lot of meat, and I've just looked at I think probably my first ever picture, a close up picture of piranha teeth, and I'm terrified. <laughs> they are cartoonishly <laughs> evil looking. The, those teeth are like wow, that would be great at ripping something to shreds. Yeah, and now you know that those teeth, you can't just, like, break one off. They're digging into you. It, you can kind of see it in in the pictures when you Google piranha teeth, like, where they interlock. There's a mm-hmm. little spike that, like, leans into the next tooth down. And then there's Paku, which uh, uh, don't have sharp teeth like that. Uh, they appear to have teeth that look like mine, which also is upsetting. Ooh. Do they do the same thing? Yeah, they're related to piranhas. Oh, and no. so their teeth are also interlocked and also fall out half at one time. All right, Sari, that was exceptionally good. Sam, what do you got for us? That was exceptionally good? Oh, no. I liked it. Okay. (laughs) So, hey, when you think of your average baby, of any species, not just a human (laughs) baby, what do you think of? I'm averaging all babies together of of all species. That's going to be, that's going to freak me out. That's going to be a freaky thing. Every baby averaged together. Uh Uh-huh. Are we counting? Are we counting fish? What are we counting? No, I shouldn't have said of any species. Let's just do mammals. How about <laughs> big okay. eyes, big head, gummy yeah. mouth, mm-hmm. gummy mouth? Eh? Yeah, that's right. You don't think of a lots of teeth. <laughs> you played directly into my hand. I was trying to guess what you wanted to get me to do. But in 2009, a research team made a discovery that shattered everything you think you know about babies' gummy mouths. What this research team found were the fossilized remains of 19 theropod dinosaurs. So theropods are the bipedal, like, T-Rex, Velociraptor, body-type dinosaurs that evolved into birds, question mark, some of which yep. evolved into birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they named this this these fossilized remains were a new discovery. So they named them Lemosaurus inextricabilius. Oh. So their name reflects how they died. And how and why they were preserved. So it means Meyer lizard who could not escape. And it seems like Lemosaurus were social and they lived in big groups. And this particular group lived around a big mud pit that their children, their family members, and their friends kept walking into and sinking into. And so these 19 sets of remains ranged in age like perfectly from baby to through adolescent to adult to like elderly adult of this dinosaur so they found like mm-hmm. a perfect age range of this dinosaur so the find provided a look at the entire life cycle of this species all in one place which is super uncommon and really cool uh, and for the most part the skeletons reflected all the normal things you would expect to happen as an animal grows into an adult except for one pretty huge exception baby lemosauruses had a mouthful of sharp teeth and the adults were completely toothless In fact, their mouths seemed to transform into what we would recognize as like a beak, maybe like a duck beak kind of, since they could trace basically the entire growth cycle of the dinosaur. They could see it losing teeth in each step that it got older. It started with 42 teeth and then had zero teeth by the time it was an adult. So they looked at the chemical composition of the bones and they found that the isotopes in the older Lemosaurus bones match other dinosaur herbivores, but baby Lemosauruses had a whole bunch of isotopes, which is more common, I guess, in predators or Hmm. things that eat like insects and all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Also, they found that older Lemosauruses had gastroliths, which are like the rocks that certain animals, most notably birds, Mm -hmm. swallow to help with their digestion, but the younger ones didn't have any. 
So the researchers think that the animals shift from predator when they're younger to eating plants when they're older. They don't think that they were insectivores because lemosaurs were probably too big to be insectivores when they grew up. Uh, and the adults just got just like went totally vegan when they were grown up. So they think this happened to make sure that the babies could get all the nutrients that they needed since the adult animals weren't going after the same food sources as the baby. So they could just chow down on whatever they wanted to <laughs> until they grew up. And then they're just like, oh, it's time to eat plants. And that's <laughs> something that I think happens in other animal species today. The paper cites catfish that turn from predators when they're babies to filter feeders when they get older. So I think for similar reasons, possibly. And since this was the first time this was discovered, like a toothy dinosaur turning into a beaky dinosaur, they don't know if it's like, that's why, where beaks come from or anything like that. But it might be. So we need to find more <laughs> pits full of dead dinosaur families to find out if that's the case. Thank you for your sacrifice, dead dinosaur family. That's so <laughs> yeah. cool. That's it's super weird. And it's also like uh, like the idea of all of these like babies running around eating up lizards and insects and stuff. There's a there's somebody who's done a little cute art of, of baby lemosauruses with these giant eyes with just like a lizard half in its mouth. It makes me want to give them a cuddle, but uh, they had little <laughs> needle, needle teeth. So that's you wait till they're older and then you can cuddle them. Exactly. And they'll just give you a little gumming. Yeah, I do like the like the personality implications too. That like these babies are frantically running around and just like eating whatever they can, so they need sharp teeth. And then mm -hmm. the adults are like, "I don't have the energy for that. <laughs> I'm gonna eat this leaf, but I don't have to hunt. It's just here uh -huh. because I feel the same way about yeah. my excitement <laughs> for getting food." <laughs> so and so, why doesn't this happen to people? Where we've got yes. little. Two-year-olds running around with needle teeth and us just with beaks grinding yeah. up. <laughs> Give me applesauce. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that leaves me with Sari telling me about how piranhas lose one side of their teeth all at once and then their teeth wear ha tooth hats. And then Sam with a species of dinosaur that has meat-eating, tooth-having babies and beak-having herbivore adults. I like them so much. Any final words? Well, I mean, you said hers was outstanding or something like that. So just give it to her. Well, I like yours a lot, too. But the thing is that if I give you equal points, Sari does come out the winner. Oh, that's fine. I think that that is what is going to happen. Sari, congratulations. Thank you. I needed <laughs> redemption after my very poor performance last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you did have a lot of misses last week. It's time now for Ask the Science Couch. We've got a listener question for our couch of finely honed scientific minds. This question comes from Care Bear Ritual. How do braces even work? Why do we need to wear retainers after wearing braces? How do braces even work? I kind of have a vague idea of this, which is that if you put pressure on the bones of your jaw, the bone will erode where the pressure is being put, and then bone will reform where there is no pressure. Your, your mouth isn't laid out by a, like, blueprint. It just does whatever uh, makes sense for what's going on there. So if you push stuff around, your bones actually reshape and reform. And that would, should be a reason why we wouldn't need a retainer. But apparently you do still need a retainer, as I am evidence of having had braces and do have much straighter teeth now, but they have floated back a little bit to be 
kind of crooked, especially on the bottom. So Hank's basically right. And I think that you said it in a very matter of fact way. And I was probably going to say it in a very matter of fact way. But listening to you say it, it's like very weird that your mouth dissolves the bone and then adds more bone. Mm -hmm. But that's basically right. I'll just add more sciencey words to Hank's description. So underneath our gums, there is a membrane called the periodontal membrane, which like surrounds, I think, the root of the teeth. I've not gone to dental school, so this is from basic sure. research. Yeah. The combination of that membrane and its contact with the alveolar bone is what positions the teeth within your jaw, within your mouth. And so braces, when you when you put them in, you put pressure on different sides of your teeth and it causes one side of the tooth to compress against one side of the periodontal membrane, which creates a little bit of empty space on the other side. And so there are two types of cells that are in your body all the time because bone is living tissue. There are osteoblasts, which are bone growing cells called deposition. So you have to like deposit more bone tissue. And then there are osteoclasts, which are bone destroying cells and reabsorb bone tissue. And so then those cells are just like, I'm going to spew more bone into the empty side and I'm going to like break down cells on the compressed side to try and relieve this pressure. And in that process, your teeth gradually move because bone is being created and destroyed in your jaw. Wow. And then the retainer is is for that reason, because after you've applied pressure, my guess is that your mouth applies pressure in natural ways as well. So uh. like just your teeth and your mouth structure mm-hmm. probably puts pressure in some certain ways that gaps more naturally form. Mm-hmm. And then bone tissue just like gets produced there. Because that's what it's been doing your whole life. And that's what leads it to a, a crooked conformation. It's like the lowest energy state of your mouth. That I'm not sure, but it makes sense right. logically in my head. That that also makes sense to me too. And and then a retainer uh, or Invisalign or braces or anything. Like a retainer is just like theoretically just to keep your teeth where they are. And then braces, like the reason it hurts is because like you have to put pressure on your bones, enough pressure to dissolve them. <laughs> That's <laughs> a significant amount of pressure. If you want to ask the Science Couch your question, follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Adam Moskowitz, at Sophie, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. First, you can go to patreon.com slash SciShowTangents. You can become a patron and get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes and our brand new podcast. Poopy-peepy-pedia. <laughs> you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's super helpful. And it lets us know what you like about the show. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about, about us. us. Thank you for joining us. I've been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents was created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Pieto. Our editorial assistant is Debuki Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. 
In 2015, researchers from Quinnipiac University reported that in communal bathrooms, which had an average of 9.4 occupants per bathroom, it's a lot of people per bathroom, fecal bacteria were found on 54.58% of toothbrushes. Mm. However, as the American Dental Association notes, there is no evidence that this contamination leads to bad health effects. Uh, and they note that it's better to leave your toothbrush stored in a way that exposes it to open air because some kind of closed container is exactly the kind of place bacteria like to grow. And they also discourage the use of microwaves and dishwashers to clean your toothbrush, but I don't know why that one. That seems like it would be fine to me. <laughs> Melt your toothbrush, I guess. So there you go. You can have all the poop on your toothbrush you want to, and it's fine. I don't think that's what they said. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just stick your toothbrush in the toilet and swish it around and then brush your teeth. You know all that toothpaste that you swallow? Well, it's in your poop now. Just use it again. Don't uh, let it go to waste in this economy. 